0: This is the Amazing Education Podcast. Powered by the Ames Community School District, I'm your host, Eric Smith. On today's episode, we are joined by Health Services Supervisor of Ames Public Schools Dr. Kathy Arnold. We're going to have an amazing conversation about the differences between last year and this year related to COVID-19, key mitigation strategies, and what parents can expect for communication. Dr. Kathy Arnold, thank you for being on this episode of the Amazing Education Podcast. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm doing okay.
0: <laughs> so I feel like a couple... So we're going to talk COVID... Today, COVID no in surprised. schools. I know. <laughs> um, you know, it's something that we need to talk about. And it's just weird because, you know, we ended last school year thinking we were um, at least somewhat of a, on a trajectory where maybe this wouldn't be as intense of a, of a conversation and talking points within our district. And then, you know, the summer happened, and, and now leading into school, we are officially in school now, but leading into school, um, you know, we're talking about it again. And
1: it, it, I will say it was a surprise um, a little bit. Uh, we had, even up to mid July, been thinking okay, we had, pl- we of course had plans, but yeah. um, we're probably anticipating a little bit different of a take, a little less intense focus. But uh, yeah. mid July, we started seeing that increase in cases due to Delta. And so here we are looking at it again.
0: Yeah, we well, we absolutely are. And you know, it's not just a conversation in our district. It's a conversation that's, you know, happening across Iowa and across the United States. You know, I mean, you, you just referenced it, but with the Delta variant. So here we are. Um, we do have actually a lot of things that... Um, that I wanna talk about today. So maybe I'll just kind of quickly outline some of those. We are gonna talk about um, just some mitigation strategies. We're gonna talk about what our specific communication strategy is related to COVID. I know that some parents, you know, probably already know what it is. You know, we shared some things on our website, but I think it'd be good just to kind of talk through what that looks like, Um, testing, and then our our dashboard as well. So I think maybe we just jump right into it. Sounds great. (laughs) All right. So this year in Iowa, as many of our parents and community members know, um, Although we are continuing to talk about you know COVID-19 and how it impacts our schools, um, schooling does look a little bit different this year than what it did last year. So a lot of the conversations that we had throughout the year last year were about delivery models. Should we be online? Should we be in hybrid? Should we in person? How do you make that decision to move in and out of those? And then the other conversation, at least early on, had to do with masks. Well. Both of those topics are things that, you know, right or wrong, like it or don't like it, we do actually have clarity on. So, just to um, outline for whoever is listening, um, back in May there was an Iowa law that was passed that um, said that school districts could not issue a mask mandate. Correct. And then, additionally, we are also required to provide in person instruction. So, kind of two of our big things that we really, really worked out last year as far as talking them through um, both internally at school board meetings. You are active participant in in our school board meetings. They're kind of, they're less of conversations this year, but let's jump into masking. So we are on on the record and we're continuing to encourage the use of masks. So Mm -hmm. talk us through a couple of, like, why are we saying that as a district?
1: sure well a couple reasons um first we know that we have a fair percentage of our staff vaccinated and we're still asking them to consider strongly consider wearing a mask part of that is some of the research that's come out that even if you are fully vaccinated you can't there are breakthrough cases and you do have an ability to spread that to others. Um, Vaccines are doing an awesome job on trying to protect people from hospitalizations and deaths. So vaccination is still working. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, But with Delta, that breakthrough really increases. um, Delta as itself is something that is spread more easily, a little more virulent, and that so we're making sure that for those who are vaccinated we still want them to wear masks and especially for those who are unvaccinated we want them to wear masks too because those layers of protection it's one of those strategies you talked about like those layers of mitigation and what we can and can't do that's one thing that we would encourage people to do
0: so last year at this time in august you know covid was still relatively new for us i mean we were you know we March of 2020 is when everything kind of kicked up in Iowa. Um, you know, they closed schools and then we got into the summer and we were really planning our return to learn. And but then even as a community um, across the United States, we were still learning sort of like about the coronavirus and what were best practices. Um, talk to me a little bit about you. Um, masking and i know you did some already but kind of like situational masking so you know outdoors large groups indoors um just yeah talk through that
1: sure sure so with masking just in general the concept of being masks of course are going to protect if if you're positive for covid that provides a great protection even a cloth mask will protect provide some protection against that being spread. It also protects the wearer to some extent. Now, the bigger protection is on if I'm positive and and I wear masks. But there is a layer. Studies have shown that there there is protection for those for the wearer as well. Of course, we want people to wear be wearing masks that are well fitted that are they're fitting on their face, not under their nose. Yep. Um, to to do that. So in that, you know, you're thinking about that when you spoke of um, out, outdoors, large gatherings. Outdoors is safer. Um, Now, if you were, and and that is probably a place where if you're going to take a mask off to take a mask break, outdoors is a better place to do that. When we're thinking of recess or those areas where kids might be really clustered, maybe they're all on a a piece of playground equipment, maybe masks are a good idea there because they're in that close contact with each other. But if, if we're running and playing tag you know, they're not going to be close. And, and so it's a balance. It's, it's hard. It's it's that those shades of gray. I think also when you're looking at large outdoor gatherings, like let's say you were at, at a picnic and had a whole bunch of people under in it, in, under one of the enclosures, mm-hmm. um, while the sides may be open, if you're really close in contact, again, that might be a place where, hmm, I might want to wear a mask. Yeah. Outdoors does do a great job, though, to help dissipate uh, the droplets. But Yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate a word that you said, you know, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know that, and I've talked with people as well, you know, sometimes, especially outdoors. I mean, we're in August, it's Iowa, it's humid, it's hot. Um, you know, sometimes they can be uncomfortable as well, but, um, the word that really did resonate with me was the balance. And so, you know, the mask, we're encouraging it. Um, it's not the, it's not perfect. Um, but
1: it's a piece. It's a piece of that mitigation, right? So it's it's. is it going to protect everything? Is is that the be all, end all for everything? No, but it's a piece. So it's thinking about those decisions, right? It's it's. what are the different layers, that Swiss cheese model of, of mitigation. It can still get through, right? Piece of Swiss cheese still has holes. It's sure. not perfect, but if you line up enough of them, maybe you're gonna provide sure. yourself some more protection.
0: Um, So we just shared out on social media yesterday and we're getting some posters made for our buildings as well. But there are um, some other and additional mitigation strategies as well. And actually, a lot of these make sense once we get into, you know, like cold and flu season, we get into winter in Iowa. Um, Wash hands Mm -hmm. if you're sick, stay home. What that, else do you want to add? <laughs> the,
1: okay, I'm going to have to hit on that second one really heavily. Yeah. If you're sick, stay home. That's the best thing we can do is to, to try to prevent spread of anything, COVID especially, yeah. but colds, flus, other bugs that people may have. Um, if, if your child is sick, if you or yourself are sick, staying home contains that, right? With COVID, we know that people are um, – they can be infectious two days prior to when they start showing symptoms, but definitely when you have symptoms, it's it, – Shouldn't be a question like, "Oh, I've got a new sore throat. I've got a cough. I've got a little bit of a fever. Should I go? No, stay home. Um, But definitely hand washing. Hand washing is good in general. Again, you know, while we're focused on COVID, right? right. If we're thinking of just health in general, you touch surfaces. You touch your cell phone. You touch all those things, and then if we touch to adjust our glasses or wipe our nose or wipe our mouth, um, you don't think about it. That is a, a way that you can can get viruses and get other, uh, exposures. So hand-washing is important. Again, is hand-washing itself going to solve everything? No, but it's a piece sure. to do.
0: I mean, aren't, aren't, there studies out there that that say that our cell phone is one of the most disgusting things <laughs> that and we all handle it every day. I mean, I, I got, you know, mine sitting here. I mean, yeah, we're all too. on it. Um,
1: it, it is, I, I, you know, I thought about saying that and then I didn't want to scare people, but yeah, your cell phone, wipe your cell phone off. Um, it's amazing. You think about it, it, goes in your pocket, it goes on your car seat, it goes oh, on yeah. strangers' desks, yeah, um, no, I you know, know, lots of places. So that is a thing and you're putting it right up by your face. Yeah. Um, now with COVID-19 spread from what they call fomite or fomite transmission or, or from surfaces, not really seeing that as, as a high risk, but again, if we're talking about health in general, general, yes, (laughs) yes. No, I appreciate
0: that. So with masks being optional yet encouraged in our buildings, you know, and, and we are bringing, you know, we have hundreds of students that are going into our buildings. And so we, it was essential that we continue to have a communication strategy for Mm -hmm. if and when, um, you know, we do have COVID in our buildings. So, um, when you and I kind of prepped a little bit for this episode, there's a three-layer approach. So talk me through that. If if what what will happen? What can parents expect if we do have a positive case in our buildings?
1: Sure. Um, so what we're doing, and, and we've differentiated a little bit um, between our PK through sixth grade and then seventh through twelfth grade. Um, with our PK through six, those are our students that we know are. 12 or under most likely under 12 so they don't have the option of getting vaccinated at this point we hope that comes soon Um, so we're focusing on that group specifically of looking at still doing contact tracing so that's where that three level you'll see the three level communication strategy so if we get notified of a positive in a classroom the first thing we're going to do is do some contact tracing now we're doing our best job that we can with this we're looking for Um, those contacts that are within six feet for more than 15 continuous minutes. Uh, That might be through seating charts, that's talking through um, situations, trying to look and analyze that that way. So what we do is then, if if a child's um, identified as a close contact, the parent receives communication that your child has been identified as a close contact. We then, in that PK through six, um, PK through five classroom level, sixth grade is at a team level, communicate to the classroom. So there was a positive case in your classroom, however, your child, you know, if you, your child was a close contact, you would have received an email indicating yep. so. And then the third layer is communicating at the building level. We Oops. are letting a building level know that, you know, there was a positive case in the school. We're trying to do the communication we can. We don't want to. Um, Make people scared. That's not the goal. The yeah. goal is just to be as transparent in the communication as we can. Now, there are, there are some provisions with that. We can't give out names, obviously. Nope. We have to protect people's confidentiality. Um, and there there are some limits to what we can share. So... Um, but we want to make sure that we're keeping our parents and the families as informed as we can so they can make those decisions. Now, with the, the children who are close contacts, we've been advised that we can't mandate or require them to stay home. We cannot, um, as far as quarantine, what we provide them with is you know, your child has been in close contact. Here's what the CDC says. IDPH says that, you know, we don't have to, you do not have to. This is a personal family choice, but we give them the dates. We give them some resources for testing um, so that they can make that decision and what's best for them and their their health situation within their family.
0: Sure. So let me recap that. So if I'm in a building, if I'm a parent, um, I could at the end of any particular day say that there was a case in the building. It doesn't necessarily mean that my student um, was around that student. It's just for transparency reasons, that is why. So that is one email I could get. One that is a little bit closer is, okay, a student um, in my student's class had it. Or, you know, was it it had COVID-19. And so, like, that's another layer. And then, but the first email I would get could be if if my student was a close contact. Correct. So that's the first one, building, or classroom, then and building. building.
1: And I understand uh, that may result in a family getting three emails. We yeah. really looked through how we could do that and not make it confusing. I know. And make sure that we are, again, being transparent. So. We're, we're opting at this point on the side of over um unfortunately for some of those families getting three emails yeah. but we want to make sure that's how important we think it is we yeah. want to make sure that we're we're com- communicating that and the other reason we're doing a classroom level which we hadn't done in previous uh last year was we know that we cannot require masks mm-hmm. while we strongly encourage them we cannot require them yeah. it, our teachers Cannot then say which child was wearing a mask, which child wasn't wearing a mask, oh, if they took it off, they. So it's really trying to make sure that we're letting them know at a classroom level. That you know that there was someone yeah. in their room, and and that's our plan as a as of now.
0: It's a it's like a different layer of complexity this year than what it was last year. Just Definitely as complex, so. but just different.
1: Right, and so for just to clarify, for our seventh through twelfth graders, they would only be getting one email. They're okay. only going to get a, a building level email. If you think about just how um, those seventh through twelfth graders is set up, they have multiple classes with. Different people. Yeah. Um. There's different activities, and it's a different situation. And, yeah. and we really are hoping that our that population is taking advantage of the fact that they can be vaccinated sure. and wear masks. Now, that's the plan as of now. Um, and COVID's fluid. <laughs>
0: that's the one thing I think both you and I learned last year is we can share what is accurate today. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be, it's not going to change or be adjusted over the course of the school year. So I appreciate you bringing that up.
1: I think sometimes that's hard too, right? Like we want to say, here are the rules. This is it. Yep. We're done. But we know that nope. thing, things are, things unfortunately have to change sometimes. Yeah. And, and it, that sometimes leads to confusion. But I think that's, again, we try to communicate yeah. as much as we can. Yep. Here's, here's the plan as of now.
0: So I always, um, you know, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a shout out here first, because every time I I ask you to participate in something, you always say yes. So whether it's this (laughs) podcast, so thank you. Um, But earlier this week, uh, I asked, hey, do you want to do a news segment for KCCI? (laughs) And of course, you said yes. And, and that segment was around a number of things, but one of the things that they did talk about was around testing. So do you want to talk a little bit about how we've applied to be a test Iowa site? What that means? Mm -hmm. um, Will we have test kits available? Who can get access to those? All of those things.
1: So, as far as testing, there's still a a wide variety of tests available here, but again this is something that we know is a little different than last year. We don't have the Test Iowa Clinic sites where you went and actually got tested available. So there's still tests available from Story County Public Health, still from physician providers, there are still tests at uh, drive-up pharmacies and there are also rapid tests available those are over the counter they're about 20 25 dollars you get two tests for a rapid test you can purchase those at walgreens walmart lots of different places what the difference in what we're offering looking to offer and we have applied to be a test iowa distribution site so we're not doing testing on site that's not something we've been given permission to do uh as a school what we're looking to do is make tests accessible to our families so that we would be able to give a test kit out to a family to a student you know with a parent's permission on if they were wanting to get tested the goal would also be for staff if we get approved to do so uh, that they would be able to pick up a test kit no questions asked to use the reason that I really think that's important, and, and I really hope that we that approval goes finally through, it's what we're seeking to do, is just, again, to give people easy access to testing. So if you're questioning, oh, should I take a test? Oh, oh, well, now I've got to call my provider, or yeah. I've got to go somewhere. I want to really make that accessible and easy so that someone can come get it, get it from the school nurse. We'll have them available here from the district office room that I'm going to plan to distribute, uh, again, pending approval, but really to just get testing out there so that people aren't questioning, that they know, because it's better to do that. Um, They're a mail-in test. It's a saliva test, so it's not the scrape-your-brain type that people fear. Um, it's a saliva (laughs) test it does not hurt Um, and then it it gets sent through the mail and you get a result from the state hygienic lab sure
0: so just for clarity though if let's say a student is in one of our buildings and has perhaps symptoms we're not doing the testing we would not administer the test onto the student I mean we would not make that decision for our parents
1: no and we're not permitted to do so nor is that something that we would do um, right do anyway anything that we would do is of course this is these are the goal is that these are parent requests yeah um that they're interested in and they want testing so again it's it's facilitating testing and making it easier it's not us testing anyone at this point
0: now we don't have the tests available yet no but when we do how if a parent wanted to request one how would they go about doing so
1: so the at this point, the process is to go will be to go through the school nurse okay um, they're the ones who already deal with all those confidential yep. health things yep. um, so it would it would be that and if we were able to offer them also at the district office, it would be to go through my sure through me
0: sure no, that makes sense. So we keep updating our website, Um, you know, I I know we had a conversation at the end of last year, not whether we should or should not have a dashboard, but whether that need would exist. Well, you know, as we mentioned already, we go through this summer and, you know, we made the decision fairly early on that, you know, we were going to have a dashboard. Mm -hmm. So it is available on our website. um, But what does it say? How is it maybe slightly different than last year? And then how is it being updated
1: sure so yeah right at the end of school last year we the dashboard we didn't have data for it so that came down uh then we made the decision that it's a good thing again transparency is our goal with this our dashboard looks a little different this year we're sharing our positive cases um in by by level so we've got our pk through elementary middle school and high school in separate and for students and staff so those are that's the grid of, of what's shared from, from a positive. The reason we're not sharing uh, quarantines or close contacts is it's not really reliable. Sure. Since we know that parents have the option to yeah. to ch- send or not send, it, it it didn't feel like it was accurate data to share uh, of, of those close yep. contacts. So that is different this year. We're also not sharing the staff and students' absence uh, five-day absence rate this year. Mm-hmm. It really didn't show us much, um, and we wanna make sure that the, the data that we're providing the community is what they need. Yeah. Uh, our da- dashboard also includes the local community transmission, and uh, that is not da- updated daily like it was last year. Yeah. IDPH has changed their delivery model on data. And so that's updated on Wednesdays. So that would appear on our dashboard on Thursdays. Our dashboard is updated on a daily basis in the morning, uh, and so any changes would be you know probably before 9 a.m. Yeah, sure. yeah.
0: So our information that we control, we're updating daily in the morning. So anything that happens during the day that'll be reflected the next day.. Yep. And then just because of the community indicators, IDPH updates those once a week. Yep. So when we get it, then it, that information will update it as well, but it's not right. you know necessarily reflective of the day before. It's just updated on what we update ours on Thursday and then
1: right. And so. now I will say, you know, we are watching CDC does update their data a little more frequently. Okay. We've decided to go with the IDPH data on a weekly basis because it's a consistent uh, data methodology. It, it is something we do watch though on a yeah. daily basis okay. to see if we're seeing anything. We are, I am constantly in contact with our local public health as well, we yeah. have a very great relationship. Um, so we communicate if they're seeing things, we are one of the, as of right now, we're one of the only counties where our public health is contacting, uh, people who are diagnosed as positive COVID. They're mm-hmm. not doing contact tracing, but mm-hmm. they are notifying and making sure that people are aware. I know that they're locally, some providers, if you have some comorbidities, you have other illnesses, along with covid 19 there's um antibodies that you might be able to, to receive so they're they're really trying to make sure as a community that they're doing what they can too yeah. so
0: Well, Dr. Arnold, I want to thank you. I think we did it. I mean, it's kind of a crash course. (laughs) You know, I know this episode, that's really what it was intended to be. But I think there is um, a lot of good information that, you know, we want to find different ways to be able to communicate it. Um, Sometimes reading an FAQ, although that's great, it doesn't always resonate with everyone. So I hope... um, those who are interested in this episode found, you know, these topics to be useful. And of course, they could change. So <laughs>
1: Subject to change, but the take-home message, get vaccinated if you're eligible, and please wear a mask indoors. There Keep yourself is. safe.
0: There it is. Well, I don't know that I have anything more to add than, than that. So again, I want to thank you, um, Dr. Arnold, for being on this episode of the Amazing Education Podcast.
1: Thank you.